Right, welcome back to the podcast, the Stephen Sully Study. I'm here at my second home, Woodbury House, over in Mayfair, and I've got a great guest in front of me, Mr. Ruben Tabares. For the audience, if you don't know, this is actually a part two. My first time interviewing Ruben was actually at the Haymaker Gym yep. many a few years back, and it was only right since his career has progressed. He's done a lot of things, achieved so much. He's a businessman as well. Uh, as well as a family man, also as well as a sports performance e- expert, um, I felt it was right to bring you on for a, for a part two. So yeah, welcome. great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. It's good to be back, and yeah. especially in your new home. It's beautiful. What do you think Think about it here? No, it's amazing. Um, surrounded by Richard Hamilton, uh, which, uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his work. So, um, yeah, no, it's really nice down here. Good stuff. I'm going to jump in straight <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with a quite a sort of bold question, okay? Yeah, go how do we truly measure health? Um, good question. That is individual, I think. Um, how we truly measure health, especially in my opinion, in, in a society that um, has gotten so far from the truth is is a loaded question. For me, how I measure health is I wake up every single day and I feel like I'm in the body of a 20 year old no aches no pains no headaches uh no no soreness um depending on how hard I've pushed myself in training maybe a little soreness but just incredible energy all day no uh brain fog no um nothing that will hinder my body and myself from being able to do whatever the hell I want to do throughout the day. That's how I measure health. Um, and then obviously um, there are certain parameters that you can that you can measure health with, with like blood tests and and um, fitness tests and that kind of thing. But for me, it's just about feeling amazing. And I'm not talking about good. I'm talking amazing every single day. And I can say that now because I feel like I'd gotten a little bit away from my philosophy especially last year I had two serious back injuries where I was, I couldn't move um, and through nothing just an old back injury that I had not addressed um, and I realized that it had resurfaced because I was dehydrated and not looking after myself properly so um, it it basically crippled me and so that kind of woke me up straight away and I was like crap Ruben back to practice what you preach and get yourself into incredible shape and on Sunday just gone uh, for the first time since 2012 I, I hit the track and I was able to sprint flat out very quick um, as the times were saying uh, and I was like right my god it's like I've gone back in time you know, I feel I feel incredible. So for me, that's a true measure of health. I guess the reason why I've asked this question is because yeah. over the over the years since our our, our podcast uh, part one, there's a lot of people in the quote unquote wellness, health, personal development space that trying to position themselves as an expert. Yeah. Now I know there's a lot of courses that, in one aspect, they're very successful because they actually get the clients the results they're looking for but I don't think they realize there's a huge amount of health 
that they're sacrificing in order to, to get that. And here's what I mean. Certain diets, yeah. certain measures of success, which will be this person on Instagram looks like this, ripped body, six pack, look like they've got the perfect phys- physique, but I bet your bottom dollar, if you were to measure their blood, Mm-hmm. They're probably heading towards a heart attack, for example. I don't know. You know, that could be because of the what they're taking. It could be it could be steroids. It could be medication. I, I do not know. And well, I, I some, feel I've, sorry to interrupt you, but I feel like I know when someone's taking steroids. Yeah, uh, I look at their body and I know straight away. I'm like, oh, okay. So if someone shows you a picture of someone who's really ripped, even women, um, I'm like, yeah, they're taking stuff. And they're like, oh, how do you know? I've been. I used to be an athlete. I used to know when people were taking stuff. I've been around health and fitness and the fitness industry my whole life. And so I, I, you know, and I think it's irresponsible for these people to take stuff and then promote a program and say, this, this is how I got there, when clearly they know they didn't. And also there's, I've trained some models that take pictures all day and then they, uh, doctor their pictures and they edit them and pick the best one and with the best light and all the rest of it and that's the one that they put out and everyone else goes oh my god look at her body it looks incredible yes it looks good because she works out hard but it doesn't look like it does in the pictures so I think that there's you social media is one it's a great thing but it's also it, it's come at a a cost and a detriment to to a lot of people especially people who may be feeling vulnerable or weak at the time when they're looking at those things and they think oh I wish I looked like that um, and there should always be a, a, a caption underneath all those things which says this hasn't come without sacrifice and hard work as well so even when people are taking stuff to make themselves look like that they've still had to go through the training and the sacrifice in order to look like that. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, we've gotten so far away from telling the truth that it's it's sometimes you, you look at it and you go, oh my God, you know, what can you do? And, and also like someone <coughs> might see a picture, regardless of the, let's say, sports enhancing drugs or the, the steroids, et cetera. Let's just take that out of the equation. They look at an individual who might be pumped up because of all the filters, et cetera, online. But even if they were genuine like, like that, and they will sacrifice everything in order to, to, to look like that. And they might get to their goal, be ripped and stuff. But I think now, I think when I was younger, I thought if you had a six pack, you were 100, 100% healthy and you mm-hmm. were fit. And now, l- l- listening to a lot of podcasts, listening to experts like yourself, when you start actually dip, drilling down, you might have one aspect of the way you look, but in actual fact, your blood. And everything else is telling a different story. And these are the secret, these are the hidden messages that eventually creep up on you and you have a heart attack, stroke or something like that. And before you know it, you drop down dead at the age of 45. So do I feel, do you think that people are, there's a misconception around health? Yes, there is. And and good, good point that you've made because I think I've spoken about this for the last 20 years uh, and that's high intensity exercise and I say to people yes you can get into shape doing high intensity exercise almost every day if not every day you can get into shape in a, in a really short amount of time and you know there was uh, you know like the body coach when he first came out was saying stuff like yeah you can eat what basically what you want as long as you do this high intensity training what a lot of people don't realize 
is um, high intensity training produces a lot of free radical damage. Yeah, free radicals uh, just go around the, the body and destroy your cells. Um, and it's supposed to be like that. But then you need enough rest time in between for your cells to heal and to grow and and to become stronger, fitter, et cetera, et cetera, before you do that high-intensity exercise again. So at the very most, you should be doing high-intensity once or twice a week. Unless you're a high-performance um, sports person, like a boxer, where they need to do it a lot more. Um, but it's not healthy for you. So if you're doing more than one, one or two high-intensity exercises a week, you're producing a lot of free radical damage. Now, the reason why we nowadays cannot get rid of the free radical damage as quickly as we used to 100 years ago is because food today is around about four times weaker than it was nutritionally than it was 100 years ago. So if you pulled a carrot out of the ground 100 years ago, today you need four carrots to have, around about four carrots to have the same nutrient density. Yeah, so it's the, the nutrition just isn't in the food um, because of modern day farming practices, because the way that food is grown with fertilizers, with the impatience that food is grown because there's a lot more people and people can afford, afford to buy more food. There's more demand for it. So it just has to get grown quicker. So for example, a lot of vegetables nowadays lack chromium and chromium, it helps you regulate uh, di type two diabetes. And so there's a lot more people with you know type two diabetes. Uh, there's so many different aspects to just doing exercise and, and working out hard and just thinking that your body's going to be able to cope. There's always consequences. And that's what people don't realize. And there's no one out there saying to people, listen, there's consequences to doing this. You can do it in a safer way and one which will give you greater longevity because now as I'm getting older, I realize longevity is key. So everything in my life is about feeling the way I do today but for the next hundred years, that's all it is. Mm. Um, and I think from from the advice that so-called experts online are giving people, then they're, they're they're telling them to train in a certain way, which might again be getting them results immediately. And they actually the client might might be feeling good. Yeah, I feel fit. You know, I look ripped, etc. But again later on in your life you're going to start burning out it's actually going to do the reverse effect yeah. and then on top of that they sandwich it with here's some nutritional advice and it seems to me like all these big brands now are engineering their campaigns like homing in on protein 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 i wanted to ask you a question like you got real genuine protein from the food source mm -hmm. whether that's from uh and we could talk about the vegan versus meat etc yeah but does your body actually really absorb protein from, let's say, an energy protein bar? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because I think I remember when I used to train with you, you know, two or three times a week, and we used to talk about nutrition all the time. Yeah. The amino acids going around your body acts like a claw. And if they look at this food and it's not a whole food, it's not natural, mm -hmm. my understanding was it bypasses a lot of it and just gets pooed or, or pissed out. How true is that? Yeah, so basically... Um you're talking we were talking about uh, synthetic versus natural or natural versus synthetic and uh, we'll talk about my supplements later because that's one of the main reasons why I, I formulated these supplements to make sure that 
everything in them is food and it's recognized by the body and it's organic. Um, and we've been getting some incredible results with people uh, who are taking uh, those things and uh, my supplements, and we'll talk about that later. But when something is made in a laboratory, for example, you've got L-ascorbic acid, so vitamin C made in a laboratory, or you've got L-glutamine or um, L-tyrosine, whatever it is, the L um, just basically means it's man-made, yeah, because of uh, when you take those products, the body does like a light test, like an electron light test. It, shine, it sends an electron and the electron bends to the left. That's why it's called L-glutamine, L-tyrosine, well, ascorbic acid. When it's natural, the light bends to the right. So the body recognizes that. So, for example, I was actually, I did another podcast on Monday and I was talking about the fact that vitamin C is today is so far from being vitamin C, it's unreal. But everyone just, when you see vitamin C in a, in a supplement or in a multivitamin, they think it's actually vitamin C. It's actually ascorbic acid. It's made from volatile acids. And um, it's like me giving you an eggshell, like a whole egg, but the egg is missing. And you're cracking it open and it having nothing inside. Just It's just got the eggshell. That's ascorbic acid. Natural vitamin C is an eight molecule compound and it's ascorbic acid is the outside shell which preserves everything from on the inside from going off so uh it'll have vitamins j k and p um it'll have uh, uh ascorbinogen uh tyrosinase um it's got all these different things which do rutin which thins the blood um it's got all of these different things and when you take it from nature the body knows exactly what to do with it when it's man-made it doesn't um and so basically all of those things that you just mentioned it they're problematic to take them especially as absorption is really high on the agenda nowadays because people take antibiotics uh, they eat bread with um with gluten um which damages your gut lining and so Oh, there's so many things. They take pharmaceuticals. Uh, they don't take on the appropriate water and enough water for mucosal lining because mucus is mucus needs uh, water. Um, so all of those things make a huge difference to whether you can absorb those things. And then if you can, if they're then synthetic, the body then struggles with them. So I try and just stay to food. I just try and stay to food. My supplements are all 100% natural. Um and I, if you, I know you, I saw you've got some, some packets of, of you, yeah, yeah. some th things there. What I'll say to even before you bring those out is unless they're grown like that in nature, I wouldn't take them. Yeah. So just so I can show the camera. Okay. Cause so you've got a Mars bar protein bar, which looks like a Mars bar. It tastes like a Mars bar. It's the only one I've, I've tried. The Snickers, which is peanut butter protein. And then you have, this is a really successful company. I actually might have the chance to, to interview these guys, mm -hmm. Grenade. And these seem like, the, the, these are being promoted by every major online personal trainer, nutritionist, mm -hmm. who are trying to get people, predominantly men, into yeah. big muscular shapes. And 
I'm look. I'm all for if you can't, if you're on the move. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if I was starving right now and I knew I had to do this podcast in in five minutes time and I couldn't run out to get some real food, I would eat that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm admitting it. I would eat that. Yeah. Because it's a quick fix. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. But I I I, I I'd eat it. No, and it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not pretending like this is good for me. I just see it as a quick fix and just to give me a little bit of energy mm-hmm. to see me through. Can I take a look at it whilst you're and, talking? Yeah, and then and then to go on. Yeah. So let's let's talk about let's talk about that one for now. Mm-hmm. It's a grenade protein bar. Yeah. Does your body absorb that protein? And is that good for any individuals? Yeah, so for example, this has got 20% sweetener, Steve. 20%. And let's just talk to the audience. What does what okay, so like um aspartame is a sweetener, correct? As aspartame is Sorry, I had the wrong pronunciation. No, no, aspartame or aspartame, aspartamine, um, those, it, it's, an, it's a man-made sweetener. So basically, uh, when you taste it, it has, it tastes sweeter than sugar, but it has zero calories. Now, before I get sued, some of the studies show that aspartame causes brain cancer in rats. When they're given when they're given aspartame for about 20, uh, 30 to fifty days, something like that, they develop brain cancer. So, I wouldn't be comfortable with taking anything that's got aspartame. Aspartame, I wouldn't be comfortable with taking anything that's got sucralose like this, uh, because sugar turns into fat, and I don't necessarily want excess fat in my body floating around so whilst this thing's got about i'd say about 30 ingredients 30 when you have a meal in the evening and you have a meal of let's say salmon yeah baked salmon a sweet potato and a head of broccoli how many ingredients are in those things three three (laughs) that's basically it so the body will struggle with a whole bunch of Oh my God, it's got umectant, uh, which is basically, it's, it's, it soaks up moisture so it doesn't go off. Yeah, so this has got a whole bunch of stuff, which, I mean, I wouldn't give it to my dogs, no disrespect to the company, um, but I just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, just because things have protein, we've, again, we've gone to get so far away from health, that just because something's got protein, it's supposed to be healthy. No, no, that's like that's like basically. I'm going to uh, I'm going to get slaughtered for this, but I'm I'm just saying that's like basically saying you've got uh, cocaine and you throw some protein in there. Yeah, but it's okay. It's got protein in. I know it's extreme. I'm just trying to make my point that um, those things uh, like you mentioned that you. If you're hungry and you've got to do something, you, you'll eat that. I'll tell you why I wouldn't. When I was an athlete, maybe, yes, I'd be like, okay, I need to eat something. So I'd have something like that. Now, I don't, I, I fast. Basically, I fast all day until I get home and have my meal, my one meal. This whole, you have to have breakfast, lunch and dinner. I don't know where it came from, but we're not designed to be having breakfast, lunches, and dinners. We're supposed to, we're designed to fast. And 
that's one of the biggest things or breakthroughs with my body. I've always fasted. When I was a professional athlete, I used to not eat breakfast because if I had breakfast and then go training, I'd feel like I'd want to throw up. So I was I was always fasting. But now, sometimes I don't eat for two or three days and I have incredible energy. Now, for some people, they'd be going, oh my God, he doesn't, he doesn't eat for that long. No, I'd be, it's taking me time to develop this way and it works for me. And I'm not saying everyone should do it, but I'm saying it works for me. I do it with some of my clients, but I'm monitoring the whole thing and I know that it's a it's a process. So I've been training someone for maybe two years and only now am I mentioning now it's time for you to start fasting because I know that they're strong enough physically, mentally and spiritually to be able to do this. So me personally, I would just rather drink enough water. Uh, I think two out of three people in the United Kingdom are, are dehydrated two out of three but coincidentally two out of three people in the united kingdom have chronic diseases could it be that there's a, a correlation between dehydration and chronic diseases i think so 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 it's quite evident that if you've got a chronic disease mm -hmm. you're more likely not drinking enough enough, enough water. water yeah that's basically it and water uh is is so underrated. I mean, it's just so underrated. The things I can do with, with water, the, th the things that I do with water, uh, you know, people should look up the work of Dr. Masaru Emoto, which I think I spoke to you about it before. She's the Japanese scientist who discovered that water can read. It carries vibrations. Um, there's, there's a real spiritual side to water, and that's why Bruce Lee used to say, be water, my friend but people don't understand what that actually means. Um, and so for me, two of my biggest things, or sorry, three of, three of my biggest things are sleep. I always go to bed before 10 o'clock, always. This morning I woke up at 2.45. I've been awake since 2.45 and I'm probably not gonna go to bed until 10 o'clock tonight. And I feel great. That was enough sleep for my body. I woke up and I was like, okay, that's enough sleep. So I started do, doing some work. Um, so sleep, water and salt go in there hand in hand. Um, and um, autophagy. So fasting for two, three days at a time. Those things, now that I'm doing those things, they're really powerful. I feel incredible. I also feel sl slightly more spiritual um, and... Yes, at the beginning it was hard. I felt a little bit aggressive, like, oh, God damn, I need to eat. Um, but now I feel great. And all of the niggles that my body had, uh, the the joint aches, etc., that's all gone. And um, that, and the only two, two, two things that I do take are my supplements, uh, longevity and performance. And I also take activated charcoal, which from all the research that I've done, is one of the greatest longevity supplements you can have, if not the greatest. So I'm going to definitely come back mm -hmm. to the whole fasting, intermittent fasting. I, I do that, and I've naturally just done it over, over the years. I'm just going to round off this last segment on, on this. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there is a misconception. I think there's a bit of... Um, People live in a world where it's not the reality, but they feel it's like the reality because they're getting one aspect of a result, Yeah. but they're not seeing the downside. So if they're doing something, what they're sacrificing, which they don't even realize. 
So what we're saying here with something like a grenade protein uh, bar or even one of these, Mar the Mars bar one, the sticker one, is it might taste good, so you might benefit there. There might not be no calories in it, so you're not putting on weight and you're, you're, it's, it's contributing towards your physique. But number one, you're probably not absorbing the protein that it declares that you're taking because yeah. your body can't recognize it. And the second thing is you're absorbing 30, 40, 50 different um, uh, chemicals. And if we were to take aspartame or aspartame or yeah, yeah, aspartame, yeah. aspartame yeah. that is effectively aspartame is basically a poison. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It is. In a nutshell, it is. And, you know, um, you say it tastes good. I would argue that, Steve. And I would say, yeah, it tastes good to you because you still have sugar probably once in a while. I don't have sugar. I haven't had sugar for a very long time. So the other day, someone, I asked for a coffee and someone decided to put sugar in the coffee. And as soon as I tasted it, oh my God, it tasted horrible because my taste buds have gotten used to eating pure food. So to me, an apple is sweet enough, yeah, or berries or whatever it is, or a banana. That to me immediately tasted like poison. I was like, oh my God, you've put sugar in this. They were like, oh yeah, just a little bit. No, don't have sugar in my coffee. Thank you though. Um, and so for me, it's, it's what you get your body used to, you know, same as it's just about having the dedication to what you're doing and what you believe in. So for other people, when they see a boxer training, they might think, my God, I could never do those things. I could never get up and, and run and, uh, go to the gym and box and spar and, and fight and do all of the things that boxers do, which makes them admirable. But for them, that's a nat that's just normal. You know, so that's what I'm basically trying to say. What is normal? You have to get, you have to, and then it goes back to what are the parameters of health? So for me, having sugar, no. So for those of you, because hay fever is coming up, hay fever season. For those of you who have heard me say this before i apologize but for those who haven't i'm so allergic to pollen i've got what, like one of the highest allergy counts when it comes to to being allergic to pollen and when i get when the hay fever season comes many years ago i used to hide not that long ago actually i used to literally hide and if someone left a, a door or a window open at home, I'm like, oh, the pollen is going to kill me. It was, I'd literally get fevers. So hay fever, I'd literally get fevers from, from the, the hay, from the pollen. And now I can't wait for summers. I don't sneeze ever. It doesn't irritate me. And it's because I cut out wheat, dairy, and sugar. Up the amount of water I was having and started fasting so my body's no longer inflamed and it had, my toxic count is very low so it can handle pollen but when your toxic count is very high from brushing your teeth with uh, fluoridated toothpaste and you wear clothes that are washed in detergents which have chemicals and then those chemicals don't all get washed out they remain on the clothes and then you wear those clothes for eight hours and ten hours a day it goes through your skin and that also adds to your toxic load, lead pollution from cars. I mean, you name it, there's so much toxicity and then your body just goes, oh, I can't handle pollen. It's just too much. I give up. I need some antihistamines. And 
uh, we, we that's another conversation but basically water helps to get rid of as much toxicity from your body if you're well hydrated because you lose about two and a half liters you lose about a liter and a half during the night when you're sleeping through respiration and perspiration and you lose another liter throughout the day when it's not that hot so you're losing about two and a half liters of water a day and it's not enough to have coffee actually for every uh, 100 mls of coffee that you have you need about 300 to counteract the effect of dehydration so i'm fully aware of that so whenever i do have a coffee because i like the taste of coffee um, i make sure that i drink extra water so i don't dehydrate myself and so you have to be aware of those things um, and, and then you're going to be fine. So now I'm aware I don't have wheat, dairy, sugar. I increase my water. I sleep uh, as much as I can. And um, then my body pays me back by being able to live a great day every day. Mm. You know, like, so a lot of people are not going to be aware that the sweeteners that we were just talking about are mm-hmm. in a lot of diet drinks yeah everything that says diet so diet coke diet pepsi you've got uh artificial sweeteners in there and so the not this is not me this is me pretending to be someone listening to this podcast for the first time that has a real basic knowledge about health fitness and well-being and they're they're going to say this well the food regulators would not allow a sweetener or a poison into Coca-Cola. You crazy. They would not allow it. Mm-hmm. And even if they did, a small amount is not going to hurt you. Yeah. What would you say back to that comment? Um, well, without getting sued. Uh, <laughs> um, let's just say that I know the story of aspartame very well. And let's just say that when they realized that it could potentially make billions from replacing sugar, um, the people who owned the company, knew very influential people who got people into place to help them pass the laws that made sure that, you know, um, things went in there. And, and also you've got to realise that a lot of things happen, like, for example, when, as, when they were making houses with asbestos. At the time, they said, oh, no, no, asbestos doesn't do anything. Now they know that it's a known carcinogen, causes cancer. So now they get the hazmat people in to come and clear asbestos or you know when i bought my house that's uh it, we thought it may potentially have asbestos so the hazmat team came in they tested it it didn't end up being but that's how dangerous it is but at the time they passed it like it was nothing uh same with uh herbicides and pesticides at the time they were like oh no no it's fine don't worry this is so you have to take things with the with, with some caution you know you can't just say oh yeah no the government's got our best interests at heart uh because unfortunately a lot of the time the government doesn't know they don't know they're just people and they they get told something and they're like okay yeah it sounds cool fine and then it's not until years later that they find out so you have to do your own due diligence you have to become your own uh investigator because it's your health you're not going to pass your health over to someone else that has always been like crazy to me and for people like myself who've made it their life to make sure that I give the right information about everything and I'm constantly researching I'm constantly looking to learn things and piecing 
the jigsaw puzzle together so that when I train someone that wants to become world champion on the track or uh, or in the ring or whatever, they're getting the best information possible. And so, yeah, I take pride in that. But I would never, I would never uh, take advice from the government um, for anything to do with my health, you know? Just I would do my own due diligence. I would do my own research and then go, okay, that's fine. This will make sense to me or it doesn't make sense to me. I know you're a professional man and you've got mm-hmm. a great reputation, but I'll be saying in short that the food industry is corrupt. Um, well, you show me something where there's money, where there's no level of corruption, and I'll be shocked. You know, that this is what it is what it is and as I've gotten older and I've had conversations with uh different people and and you know I'm very lucky in my job I meet loads of different people um and some of the conversations that I've had have shocked me because I'm like oh wow I didn't really know that that went on or um why would they do that you know and it's just just part of life same as there's you know um I don't know if you look at uh, the whole thing with COVID and Matt Hancock, for example, uh, and um, I don't know him, but I'm not calling you out, Matt. I'm just just basically saying how it was. He did some questionable things. And then, but at the time, everyone was like, oh, no, no, he's got the the nation's best interests at heart. He did some questionable things. Now, whether he knew about them or not, I don't know. But those things didn't make sense to me at the time. And so, you know, there's there's corruption, there's misinformation, there's uh, misguidance, and whether it's intentional or not, it is my job to make sure that when I give advice, I give it from a scientific point of view, from a research point of view, but then also from a common sense point of view as well. Um. I think what you said earlier is going to resonate with a lot of people because it is common sense, which is the world has has changed and a lot of goodness out the earth is has been damaged or been erased. So every time you eat carrot, broccoli, whatever it may be, you're going to have to eat more of it to get the same impact as, as you once did, but 30, 40, 50 years ago and beyond. Yeah. So that's why <clears throat> I think a lot of these big companies now home in on get a multivitamin, for yeah. example. And... I don't want to say, I don't want to tarnish, you know, every company with the same brush because mm-hmm. obviously there are good companies and bad companies. Like anything, any, yeah, yeah. any sector you go in is going to yeah. be the same. But generally speaking, if I were to walk into a Holland Barrett today and I bought a multivitamin, yeah. are multivitamins good or are they a scam? Um, I wouldn't say that they're a scam. I think they're maybe done with the best intentions. Uh, but again, not going over the same ground that we just covered about synthetic versus natural. Um, when you look at, because I did a lot of research to release my own uh, vitamin supplements. And without, you know, um, killing everybody, again, I don't think people understand how it works. So, for example, if a multivitamin and mineral has calcium, the calcium in that multivitamin and mineral chemically is calcium. 
but when you do some further digging, it's actually ground up oyster shell. Because it's calcium, right? But that ground up oyster shell or that calcium hasn't been through the process of being drawn up through the ground through a green leafy vegetable like kale or spinach or a broccoli, for example. And when a, let's take kale, when kale draws up calcium from the ground, it attaches it to an amino acid through a process called chelation. Um, and when you eat the kale, the body doesn't really recognize the calcium. It recognizes the amino acid. The amino acid acts like a postcode. So the body knows exactly where to send the amino acid, and the amino acid, as a complex with the calcium, goes to where it needs to go. To the bones, to transport carrier systems, whatever it is. When it's just free-floating calcium without the amino acid, because it hasn't been through that natural process, the body doesn't want that anywhere near the internal organs, especially the arteries, etc., where it can start to clog them up. So it sends them to wherever their space, and that's usually the joints. So as people get older, by taking multivitamin and mineral that is not natural, it's synthetic, they start developing joint stiffness and, you know, other things. So that's just one thing. Then, for example, when I was looking at doing my own vitamins uh, and from a natural source, so all from food sources, um, vitamin B12... Um, and you're saying, is it a scam? It's, it's not a scam. It's just economics. So vitamin B12, um, found in nature, it's called methylcobalamin and found in, uh, and man-made is called cyanocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin has a cyanide molecule attached to it. So it toxifies the liver. So that's why, uh, that can't be good. Yeah. But the price difference between cyanocobalamin and methylcobalamin, methyl being the natural one, is $7,000 per kilo more expensive to use the natural one. So then if you start doing it properly, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example, Steve. I once did, I wanted to have the best multivitamin and mineral tablet, natural, organic, known to man. So I formulated it and I had it priced up and it was around 12 to 13 pounds per capsule. So in order to, <laughs> to do this, and uh, let's say it was 10 pounds, in order to, for you to, to do this properly for 30 days, it's 300 quid just to take one a day. And that's where it comes into the economic side of things. So a lot of the time when you're taking these multivitamin and mineral tablets, your body doesn't absorb them. They, at best, they end up being bad for you. They cause damage. So just wasting your money. Don't, don't, just don't use them. Unless they're all, unless you look at the back of the package or you look at the advertising on it and it says it's natural, it's 100% natural from plant sources and away you go. Then you can absorb that. But then a slight caveat to it, yeah. Um, from a marketing point of view, because mm -hmm. I understand as well that watching Sea Spiracy, for example, right, mm -hmm. they'll have a logo saying it's naturally been caught, etc. And again, they're they're paying off these regulators to put this stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah. And then the buyer feels, oh, this is ethical. You know, I'm going to go mm -hmm. and buy this because even though I don't like the thought of an animal being killed. I eat fish, but as long as the dolphins and whales are being protected, I'm happy with that. And they look at that stamp and go, yeah, I'm doing that. 
And when it is natural, mm-hmm. that word is quite subjective. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. Because that could, because I know that marketers plan that word mm-hmm. and it's natural in the face of it. But as you just said, as it, as you start spinning through that word, there's actually a lot of unnatural processes that go behind it, but they're allowed to do it because they play the game. Yeah, almost. it's a play on words. It's a play on words. And um, same as like when you look at sometimes organic stuff, part of it is organic, not the whole thing. You know, so again, you have to do some due diligence. You can't just get sold on marketing. You know, I, I don't do any marketing for my supplements. The only thing I do is try and educate people and say, look, it's got natural vitamin C, which has got eight, it's an eight molecule compound. You don't want that. It's got natural vitamin B12. Uh, it's got natural this, that, and the other, but it's an education. But for me to try and convince the whole world of something that gets pumped full of billions in marketing every year, it's not going to happen. So I'm just trying to save one, one person at a time. And, you know, when it feels good when I get feedback, like I did uh, from a guy called Andrew, who said um, that he had a uh, lung condition, which he'd had for many years. And every time he breathes in, it's painful to breathe in because his lung, lungs are inflamed, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, after taking my supplements for two weeks, longevity and performance, Longevity is, uh, performance is basically, um, oxygen helps oxygenate the brain. Uh, it adds in muscular endurance and performance basically of the body. And longevity is one of the most powerful anti-inflammatories, uh, combinations of different herbs and, and, um, spices, et cetera, et cetera. Now he took both of these things for two weeks. And after two weeks, he said that was the only thing he changed. And he went for a walk, his normal walk. And he said, for the first time, he had no pain when he was breathing in. And he said, just that moment made him realize how powerful these things were. And he wrote me a long paragraph just saying, thank you. And this, this is exactly what happened. That to me feels good. Because those, both of those supplements, longevity and performance, one was formulated for David Hay, the other one was formulated for Tiny Temper. And I was making them in my kitchen and I was making them for them for years and it's only when the organic pharmacy said, do you want to come and do this and then like, you know, scale it up a bit? I was like, yeah, sure. And those are the two formulations that I made because I've done them for the best part of 20 years and I know they work. They work with me. Now it's a lot easier for me to take them because I just take my own supplements. Whereas before I was like formulating them and sometimes you're like, oh, okay, I haven't got time. I need to order this from there, that from there, you know, because there's quite a few ingredients in there. Mm. Um so since I've known you, I think there's been a big push with plant-based, right? Yeah. And I've even gone down this rabbit hole myself. I'm not plant-based. I'm, I remember. I'm, 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 I'm pescatarian, but yeah. for a long time, you sort of jump on this bandwagon and sort of go down it. And I think you have to try these things in order to realize what works for you, what doesn't. Yeah. And there's a big disparity between <clears throat> raw plant-based and vegan. So that bar on the floor, for example, if it's not vegan, it can say vegan across it. And again, just like the protein sign, oh, it's vegan, it must be healthy. So they consume yeah, yeah. it and they start feeling terrible. Um, David Hay was a vegan. You've got Brian Jennings, plant-based. Mm-hmm. He's in the Game Changers documentary. Yeah. 
Lawrence Acoli, who just fought on the weekend, world champion, cruiserweight champion. Yeah. Apparently, he's uh, vegan. Plant-based diets, generally speaking, let's just say the most healthy version of it, is a plant-based diet, a raw vegan, healthy or not? I mean, it depends. It depends, again, from person to person, where they are in their life. Um, you know, I saw on TikTok the other day a few different people talking about the carnivore diet and how they had rheumatoid arthritis and all this inflammation throughout their body and the uh, carnivore diet changed their life. Um, I eat meat, but I don't eat meat that often. I eat meat maybe once a week, but when I do eat meat, it's grass, it's uh, olive-fed beef. So it's beef from cows that only get fed olives or I'll have wagyu or something like that because the quality of that meat is so high and it'll have creatine and vitamin C and it'll have so many different things that are good for you that I can have that maybe once a week, maybe once every 10 days. Same as I don't eat chicken that often, maybe once every two weeks. But when I do, the chicken I buy is expensive. Yeah, so I don't eat that often. But when I do, the quality of the things that I eat and put in my body are very, very high. I have a friend who uh, turned vegetarian and he thought, because I've turned vegetarian, I'm healthier now. But he was eating sandwiches, cheese sandwiches and pasta uh, with a bit of tomato sauce um, and cheese. He was eating like that and he actually got quite unhealthy because he wasn't eating meat, but he didn't understand what being vegetarian is all about. Brian Jennings... Uh, the box you're talking about in Game Changers. I've spoken to him at length about, you know, being vegan and plant-based. And he not only understands it, but he has the money to be able to to do the things that he's doing extremely well. So he'll have, he'll take oils and, um, you know, coconut oil, olive oil, pumpkin seed oil, avocado oils. He does all of that kind of stuff. Everything that he does, he knows very well what he's doing. That's why he looks incredible. And he was one of the best boxers in the world. Um, then you talk to some people who've been vegan for 20 years and they've developed all sorts of problems with their body. So again, extremes for me, in my opinion, are not good. So if you're going to go on a carnivore diet and only eat meat, you're going to find yourself with problems somewhere along the line. Same as when doc, Dr. Atkins uh, was saying, you know, the Atkins diet, just have protein. It doesn't matter what protein it is, just have protein and you're going to lose weight and you're going to do this, that and the other. One thing they failed to say to people is that meat is acidic, protein's acidic. So if you have too much protein, you tip the uh, alkali uh, acid balance in your body to acidic. So then your body doesn't want to be in an acidic state because, for example, when they test cancer cells, the, the environment around the cancer cells is always acidic. Um, you do not want to go too far into acidity. So people who are in the Atkins diet, their bodies needed to find a way to turn that acid into alkaline and there was never enough minerals floating around in their bodies because of modern day farming practices, because of all the stuff that we've spoken about before. So they would start, the body would then start to take the minerals from the bone. There are around about 16 different minerals in the bone. 
to turn that acid into alkaline. So people who were on the Atkins diet for an extended period of time developed osteoporosis. And that is the problem with all of these things. When someone comes up with a... Human beings are very, very easily swayed. They, When someone comes up and says, oh, guess what? I had uh, lemons for a week and I had one lemon every hour for a week. I'm making this up, by the way. Um, I had one lemon every week, every day for a week, every hour for a week, and I lost 10 kilos. Someone's going to try it. Whether they think, oh, it's a bit ridiculous or not, someone's going to try it. And all of these diets that come out, they are done for you to buy the book, for you to try it, spend your money, but there's no science, there's no common sense behind it. And so for me, uh, veganism, being vegan, being vegetarian is a choice. And for a lot of people, it's a spiritual choice. And that's fine. That's okay. I'm all right with that. But for me, if, if you're a young person growing and you need to grow tall and you're playing lots of sport and um, you're, you're very active, you need a very varied diet, including animal protein. But that's just my opinion. For example, I'll fast for two days and then on the third day, I'll have a bone broth, which I've made, which will have taken me like 18 hours to cook. And it has the most incredible ingredients in there, vegetables, Celtic sea salt, a bit of uh, pink salt. Um, that way I'm making sure that I've got 75 minerals from the pink salt, 85 minerals from the Celtic sea salt. Um, the Celtic sea salt also has three different types of magnesium, which literally drive water they, they're very they're hydrophilic so they have a, a love affair with water so they drive water straight into your cells so it hydrates you quicker um so it's about understanding the the food science and what i'm doing so i'll do that and then i won't eat again for like another two days and then i might sit down and have uh l loads of vegetables so like spicy cauliflower i'll make my own spicy cauliflower and spicy cabbage and uh, I'll eat like that. And then the next day I might have a steak with three fried eggs and a head of broccoli. You know, that's how I'm eating. And I feel great on it. But again, it's down to the individual. Like I know uh, someone told me the other day that Gwyneth Paltrow is getting vilified because she said she eats bone broth and, and, um, and has vegetables in the evening and she fasts. And everyone's like, oh, you can't say this. You're going to cause all these problems in these young girls and stuff. Why? Why? She's saying what, how she eats. She's saying, she, she's just basically saying, this is how I eat. Now, I haven't gone into depth into what she said, but that's just gist of it from what I heard. Why is what she's doing going to affect other people? Because people are too willing to go, oh, that's what she's doing. Maybe I should, I'll do that and maybe I'll look like her when... She said, you have to work hard to look like me. I train every day. I do this, that, and the other. I sacrifice. And, you know, that is what it is. Now, I look at her and I personally don't find her attractive. But she likes the way she looks. And she likes the way she lives. And that's perfectly fine. That's up to her. You know, so that's how I see it. That's, that's, that's my long-winded answer about veganism and vegetarianism and and carnivore diets, etc. Well, I'm, look, my next <clears throat> question was going to be about carnivores, and I was going to pin it on probably the guy who has been pushing that narrative very, very strong recently. He's gone completely polar opposite to a plant-based vegan, which is 
the liver king. Oh my god! Now, obviously, he's just come oh out my and, it's god. Been, and it's been it's been proven. He's admitted that he's been on steroids, which was quite obvious to see. Mm. But <clears> I think uh, there I were actually, there were actually some people. Uh, from what I remember, saying he's not on steroids, he's just eating livers every day. That's why he looks like that. But but so <laughs> so, so even on that note, let's just say he wasn't on steroids. Let's mm-hmm. just say I started eating liver, raw liver, every single day. I, I mean, I probably could, I probably throw up quite mm-hmm. quickly. But let's just say I could get it down my throat. How 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 long would I live if I'm eating liver every single day? Hmm. Interesting. Just liver? Quite quite a while, actually, okay. Steve. Yeah, 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 you'd be fine. You'd be fine for quite a while. You, you'd be getting fats, vitamins, minerals, um, plenty of protein. Um, you just look really lean. Um, but again, my mum used to give me liver, raw liver, oh, before I used to go to rugby training or like I went to a rugby school. Uh, I went to a grammar school called Haberdasher Asks and uh, it was primarily a rugby school and every Saturday morning there were no protein shakes back in those days so my mum would give me blended up raw calves liver with a red onion, garlic and honey oh, and some lemon. You try that. You try that. That is hardcore and she used to stand there and watch me drink it and I would be like, oh, hold my breath. So, but... Um, I used to play very good rugby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, again, that's someone promoting someone something that he's not. And he, he, he made money from it, I'm guessing, and uh, he did what he needed to do. But that's not the real truth, you know, and that's where I have a problem with it. That's where I have a problem. And I, I feel like for the last 20 years, I was telling people, I mean, I grew up on superfoods, so I was having superfoods 40 years ago. Um, my mum used to give me superfoods because she had no money for milk powders, uh, milk substitutes, you know, like baby's bottles. So I'd get coconut water, raw cacao, maca, uh, lucuma, um, yeah, acai. I would get all of that stuff blended in and that was my bottle. So I've been having superfoods since I was born. Um, and I remember when I first started giving David Hay superfoods, his performances went through the roof. Um, and now you can get superfoods anywhere. Um, and so there's a real evolution. But I feel like I've always tried to tell people the truth. And I've always tried to say, listen, this is what we do. There's no secret to it. This is just what we're doing. Uh, same when it comes to training. Uh, so, uh, I was having this conversation with a guy that you know very well, Peter Marcusiano. Um, and um, whenever we, we work with other teams, they always say, oh, we need to see the training sessions and you need to write down what you're doing. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. And I'd speak about this with Pete. And Pete would be like, did you write everything down? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete was like, yeah, great. We'd write every single thing down that we were doing because even when people get a roadmap, they don't understand it. They look at it and go, it can't be that simple to create a world champion. Yes, it is. If they stick to it, if they stick to it. And, and you know, out of all the world champions that I've trained, um, the ones that have stuck to it have been, have been successful. The ones that take shortcuts or you go out and you find them out on a night out when they're not supposed to be and they look sheepish 
and they're eating things that they shouldn't, you always know, yeah, you're getting away with it, but you're never going to be the best. You're never going to be world champion um, because world champions have to sacrifice because there can only be one or two or three maybe in boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's very few, you know, whereas in football, there's many footballers earning a living. Um, but again, the ones that are willing to sacrifice like Ronaldo and Messi, they're the ones who stand out and everyone knows their name and earn the most money. On that note, mm-hmm. just as a little side note, because I want to come back to nutrition and and, yeah, yeah. and and becoming, getting the best from natural sources. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo or Messi, who is the goat? Um, I used to dribble when I was at school. <clears throat> I used to like dribbling, so for me, Messi and his dribbling was always very exciting. But. In terms of numbers, you can't. Ronaldo has higher scoring international numbers than Messi. I think higher club numbers than Messi. Um, I feel like Ronaldo's had to work harder because um, Messi's got maybe more talent than Ronaldo, uh, maybe. Um, but Ronaldo's had to work harder. So for me, um, if I had to pick one as to who's the goat, it would be. Um, Ronaldo, I know he hasn't won the World Cup, but I'd never understood this thing in football. When they say, oh, he's the GOAT because he's won the World Cup and he's only won the European Championships. It's a team sport, no? So you have to have a team that help you. Otherwise, it'd be 11 against one. Um, So, yeah, for me, that kind of stuff doesn't wash. I I just feel like um, the GOAT for me would be Ronaldo. So he's a good person to look at, right? He's still playing today, getting a huge amount of money, traveling mm-hmm. world, international superstar. He's the most followed person on Instagram to date, mm-hmm. okay? The guy is approaching 40, yeah, yeah, a few years away. But he looks, he must feel, he acts like he's so much younger. So it can't all just be down to his training and even his food, which is probably the best of the best. There must be other little life hacks, which are actually probably basic. And I've been trying to learn it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one of his hacks, by the way. There's, well, we'll come on to it. There's, there's now been an uptake again on social media. So they, they, we went through this whole plant-based thing, etc. And I think it's still there, you know. Um, and there's obviously the good side of it, the bad side of it, you know, the misleading side of it, the real side of it. Yeah. Now, getting real light from the sun is so good for you. And, we, and this wasn't spoken about enough. And then you got infrared saunas that mimic that so i just had a sunlight and sauna installed at my house nice. which has which has uh, infrared nice and then also ice baths yeah so wim hof wim hof yeah uh, you got um uh what's his name russell brand is doing it the body coach all, mm-hmm. all the all these all these kind of iconic people influencers and i bought a, i bought one from a company called brass monkey so i have the brass monkey in this outhouse Two, uh, two degrees. Yeah. Do that for two minutes after my training session and then mm-hmm. I jump into the infrared sauna for half an hour. Now, I can tell you a little bit I feel about the science and I, I can tell you this, I feel amazing. And it's also... Probably Psychological. Placebo thing. Like, if I can no, beat no, no, no. the ice bath in yeah. the morning, like mm-hmm. I literally look at it and go, I'm going to beat you. You're not going to beat me. Mm-hmm. And I set a timer and it's me against the ice bath. Regardless of the science, I've beaten that thing. So I know yeah. I'm going to come into the day with the right attitude. 
But you tell me, being the, the wellness expert and also high-performance, sports-performance expert, why is it so good to have an ice bath and an infrared sauna? Well, ice is... Um, when you get an injury, for example, the first thing they say is stick an ice pack on it to lower the inflammation. So um, when you're in an ice bath, it triggers your fight or flight response and you get a huge amount of endorphins um, you get a huge rush of um, beneficial hormones because your body realizes I'm in trouble here I'm in extreme temperature and it's in that that all the healing protocol starts now personally I never used to like ice baths when I was in the GB team, I remember being in an ice bath with a, a sprinter called Marlon Devonish, and um, he was Olympic champion for the relay with the Great Britain team. And uh, Marlon and I were in the ice bath, and we were in there shivering and thinking, I just don't like it. I've always been a warm type of person. Now, what I do now is I always have a freezing cold shower after my showers every single day. Um, and it triggers my immune response. Um, I feel fantastic afterwards. For about 10, 15 minutes afterwards, you feel completely like alive. Um, infrared saunas are, again, there's so many different things that can help you heal. Yeah, infrared sauna has been scientifically proven to help you your body heal. Um, there's... We use infrared saunas, we use ice baths, and we also use another machine called an EvoCell, which is um, it's kind of like a, a massage couch, but it's solid and it vibrates at different frequencies. And the vibration has been scientifically proven to heal cells in your body. I mean, um, we put that, someone on there with a broken foot after a week. They broke their foot on a Saturday. They went on those, this machine the following Saturday and they... Um, I think two days after being on the machine, we're walking around with no pain. And we were like, no, 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 your foot's still broken. There's no, just no pain. So um, there's so many things. Again, I feel like it's, you have to try them and you have to see if it works for you. Because for some people, they just feel like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, don't like it. Um, I will do the ice bath but I don't personally like it. And I'll do it again like you do, uh, just as a mental strength thing. Just like, okay, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to control my breathing and I'm going to focus and meditate on the fact that this is doing really good for me. And and that's it. But when I used to do, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the chambers where you walk in and it's freezing. It's hypoxic. Like, yeah, that, the hypoxy chambers. When I used to do those uh, and I had Achilles tendon problems, it didn't do anything. When I used to do ice baths, it didn't do anything. My Achilles tendon problems were still there. The, the thing that has cured my Achilles tendon problems, and when I say cured, I feel like I've got the Achilles of a 16-year-old boy. Um, and now I'm sprinting and I'm like, I can't believe I had to retire because of that problem. And now it's not there. Is fasting, water, sleep. No wheat, no dairy, no sugar. No inflammation. Achilles are fine. 
Um, I, I, again, this is going to be kind of the last segment on of like health and nutrition. I do want to talk about boxing and, and sports yeah, yeah, sure, no but it's so funny that we've come away from like even you know this is a man man made products, but it's in the wrapper and it's convenient. People buy it because of the convenience, because they've been sold to, mm-hmm. and also because it's cheap, and therefore they convince themselves this is what I should be eating. Um, but I've even noticed so like. Part of the reason why I do the ice bath and then the, the infrared sauna, I heard it, it creates something called a lymphatic flush. Yeah. And even when people... Plus your lymphatic system. Yeah. And then when you got, when like, ridden cancer patients and it goes into lymph nodes, it's basically like, goodbye, they're, they're not going to come back for that. So if you're creating a flush all the time, mm-hmm. you're not, I'm not saying you're completely invincible, but you keep on flushing your body out, therefore cleaning yourself out and you're much more likely to be healthy and fit and, and good. Um, but then what I read is if I can come out the sauna because it's it's not in the house it's in the outhouse. Um, obviously, I'm I'm only in my boxes in 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 the uh, in, in in the sauna. Put my bare foot on the on the grass. Grounding. Yeah, and I start walking around yeah. and literally inhaling and putting all my body up in the air. And I don't care whether it's raining or whatever. And I'm doing it for at least thirty deep breaths. And again, like you come out a bit lightheaded after doing it. Yeah, but. I've got to tell you, I don't know whether it is, again, a bit of a placebo or the science is really kicking in and I feel great. And it's, look, not everyone can buy an ice bath. They don't have maybe the money or they don't have the space. No, no one can buy an Do it in a wheelie bin. Yeah. <laughs> but you can have a freezing cold bath or a shower. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of money to go to a park, take off your shoes and just start walking around. Yeah, and grounding, there's a lot of great sound science behind grounding, which is what you were doing, which is just walking barefoot on the ground, uh, especially on grass, um, because we pick up a positive charge uh, throughout the day, and then grounding charges us negatively. And um, historically, we'd always slept on the ground. We didn't sleep on high-rise buildings and second floors of houses, uh, and on mattresses, we slept on the ground. So that's where we picked up our negative charge again. Um, so it's kind of like one of the most powerful antioxidants for your body, grounding. Um, so if you can, that's another very cheap and inexpensive way of uh, longevity and being healthy, which is having a nice bath, uh, grounding yourself, so walking barefoot, um, and, and doing breath work. Yeah. So you're known as a high-performance sports coach. Yeah. You've not only just dedicated your life to helping regular people, I would say, mm-hmm. but also athletes and performers. Some of the people that you work with are P. Diddy, Tiny Temper, John Terry, David Hay, Dina Asher-Smith, Amir Khan. I mean, the list is, is, is I could probably fill up a couple of books. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's come from a place where you used to be a former athlete, mm-hmm. used to represent the country, be, be a hurdler. Yeah, um, 400 hurdles. And then obviously you got injured and then you went down this, this path of, you know, helping other people. Um, the highs of what you've done then, I mean, even recently you took Derek Dezora to fight Tyson Fury for the third time. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that like going into an arena where he's about to fight the Gypsy King? Derek Jazora has got a lot of heart. He's like a throwback fighter. Yeah. How do you prepare him against someone like the Gypsy King, the heavyweight champion of the world? Okay, so I have two schools of thought with that. 
first one is um, to do my job better than everyone else. So forget the boxing. My job was to just to make sure that Derek went in there as fit and as fast and as powerful and as healthy as possible. The downside to that is he was strong enough to take a lot of punishment. So that's sometimes not good because then you can, the boxer might think I'm still okay, but they're taking a lot of punishment. So how do you prepare someone like that? Well, Derek's had uh, a resurgence of late since he asked David Hay to become his manager. Um, And David then asked me to train Derek. I started by making him do things which he'd never really done before, which was um, your tendons, ligaments get stronger two to three times slower than muscle. So the mistake that people always make is they go into the gym and they start lifting big heavy weights and the muscle gets stronger, but it's pulling on tendons and ligaments which aren't that strong because they're lagging behind. So we always do it in the reverse and we strengthen the tendons and the ligaments whilst conditioning the muscle. And when you've done that over a period of time, and I always know when the person's um, adapted to to the training, you then start doing strength work, you then start doing strength endurance, then you start doing power, and then you do power endurance, and then they're ready to fight. Um, and power is just so that they can punch really hard um, and move fast. And then power endurance is so that they can do it from round one to round 12 um so there's there's like layers to the cake um and i feel like i'm at a stage in my life where i know exactly what i'm doing with that stuff without sounding arrogant i feel like i'm in my peak in training anyone to become the best they can possibly be i understand it uh now more than ever before and um so there's the physical element there's the mental element and you have to work on mentality throughout the training sessions and a lot of the training sessions are geared towards making you mentally tough because they're ridiculously tough and then there's the nutrition side which is the fuel that builds the great quality of cells um it gives you the energy to be able to keep going. Um, food is is an incredible science, you know, and whether you're doing it for, for sport or you're doing it for medicinal purposes, so when someone's ill and they need to get better, food is incredible. And I, I wish people could understand how incredible food is and how incredible water is. You know, you were talking about Ronaldo before. Ronaldo has a specific type of water um, which gives you greater performance and um unfortunately i'm not going to mention which what it is because that's one of my trade secrets but um water is just incredible so when you get all of these things right and you put them together i mean you just fly some of the heavyweights that you've trained and taken on to titles and even heavyweight champion of the world uh are you've got david hay mm-hmm. obviously Derek jazora dylan white um, out of those three, who would you Joe say? Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce. How would you? Who would you say 
Forgetting when they perform under the lights, I'm talking about in the gym, when they're actually giving it some, training really hard, sparring. Mm-hmm. Who would you say when you look at it, think they're the complete fighter? Um, complete fighter. Well, I would. you'd have to, you can't look beyond David Hay. Um, I mean, the guy was a phenomenal athlete. Um, discovered very early on that if you don't work hard, you can get hurt. Um, he wasn't training that hard for his cruiserweight fight with uh, uh, an older guy. I think David was 24 and he fought an older guy in his mid to late 40s called Carl Thompson who beat the hell out of David. And David ended up in hospital with concussion and when he was there, he was like, right, I didn't work hard enough. I know exactly what happened. And then he just, you know, committed and he fully committed. And that's why he became undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world and then heavyweight champion of the world. One of only three men in history who've done that, along with Alexander Rusek and... Uh, uh, what's his name? Holyfield. Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield. So, um, so you've got that. He had a very good boxing brain, uh, great technique, great power, could knock anyone out in a flash. Um, and so, and extremely hardworking. He was when I, I took him on. That's why he became heavyweight champion of the world because, you know, just incredibly loved the gym, not because he loved the gym, but because he knew what it gave him in the ring and in order to be able to to fulfill his dreams. And then another, I mean, they all worked really hard, all of them, uh, Dillian, and Derek, um, but... Joe Joyce, my God, that guy's a beast. <laughs> He's a beast. Um, he works incredibly hard as well. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure and a joy training all of them. They're all different in their, you know, in in, in their own way. Um, but for me, it was David. I had uh, Johnny Fisher run for ball on my podcast. And he said, because he obviously was in the same stable as him. And he said that, I think it's been proven, this is his word, that Joe Joyce's kind of bone density mm-hmm. is more thicker, yeah. more dense than yeah. a normal human being. And that's when he hits you. I mean, there's, look, I've heard stories, you, you might be able to verify or not, but there's heavyweight champ, former heavyweight champions that were sparring him. And the moment that he clocked one of them with a right hand, they didn't want to know anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen it firsthand in the gym. He hits very hard. Um, and it's, 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 it's like a thudding uh, punch. It's not explosive. It's it's it's. I wouldn't say slow. I, I'd say it's deliberate. So when he hits people, they know about it. So, um, but, give, but at that weight, any any heavyweight hits hard. I'll give you a bit of a sound. Mm-hmm. You got a shot put. You're in. You're you're on the field. Yeah. And you throw it, and the moment the shot put hits the floor, and it's that. Yeah. That's that's how the, he hits. Yeah, that's how he hits. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, but again, what a lovely guy. Yeah, he is. Super guy. Um, politics in boxing. Yes. What the hell's going on with Fury and this Usyk unification world heavyweight champion fight? I think only the people who are negotiating that fight know what's going on. But, um, I mean, look, you only make ridiculous amounts of money in boxing if you've got a belt and if you're world champion. And they've both got a belt. So they both want, you know, what they both want, what they want. So, for example, I'm just going to throw some numbers in the air. 
because I haven't been part of these negotiations, obviously. But if you look at someone like uh, Fury, if you turned around and said, right, I want 60% or I want 70% and you can take 30, Usyk. And Usyk said, yes, okay, let's do that. Yeah, for whatever reason, let's just say he agreed to that. Then there'd be a rematch clause. So whoever gets the rematch would want the lion's share of the purse. Yeah, so if if you if Usyk wins and he has all the belts, he would then want 70% for himself and then Tyson Fury would take 30. But Tyson Fury might turn around and say, no, that's not good enough for me. I don't want that. I want the same split when it comes to, to the rematch. And then Usyk would go, well, how is that fair? And it goes back and forth and, you know, I'm just making stuff up here, but um, that's genuinely, generally how it goes. So that's why it takes a long time. And that's why sometimes those fights never get made because people are like, well, I don't have to fight you. I can go and fight. Tyson Fury can go and fight Anthony Joshua or um, whoever, you know, he doesn't need to make that fight. I've never seen... Tyson Fury fight live, but obviously you were there for the Derek De Zora mm -hmm. uh, and Fury fight three. I don't know, you wasn't in the corner for Dylan White, was you, against Fury? No. No, no. At, at Wembley? No. I don't know if you were there at the fight, though. No, inside. no, 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 I wasn't. Um, and you must have seen him spar, and back in the day, David Haye was going to fight him twice, and because yeah. of the politics and injuries, etc. Yeah, it, it, it never it, happened. It, 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 fell, it fell apart. But taking all the belts away, do you think Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight on the planet today? Yes, you have to say yes. He proves it time and again. Um, the three fights he had with uh, Deontay Wilder were incredible. Um, and he just he got better and better within those fights. Uh, Deontay Wilder pushed him to levels that I think he didn't know he had to go to until he faced him. So um, for me, the, the, the proof is in the pudding and he's beaten everybody. Um, Usyk is about my size actually um, whenever we've stood next to each other and taking pictures and stuff he's a nice guy he's about my size I think that if Usyk fought Fury Fury would show the world that Usyk is not a real heavyweight. You know, there's a certain way to fight Usyk um, and it's not boxing him. You have to rough him up. So I think being British as well, mm -hmm. I think you and I would share the same opinion that regardless what happens to Joshua's future and Fury's future, at some point, a bit like Mayweather Pacquiao, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to see him fight eventually. Who, who wins uh, that fight? Who, Fury. AJ and Fury. Yeah, Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua. Um, I mean, look, if you if uh, if you're a, if you're a betting person, uh, you would want to put your money on Fury. Um, but, I know AJ personally, and whenever I've spoken to him, he's he's a fighter. He he has he has a desire to become heavyweight champion of the world for a third time, um, 
and it's he can hit hard and you just never know so for me who wins that fight i i don't have a clue i'd, I'd that's why you'd want to watch it that's why you'd want to watch it and t- that fight i would go to normally i don't go to fights unless i'm working but uh, i'd just rather watch them on tv or buy it on sky sports or bt sports whatever because then it's just easier for me to just switch off and go to bed because my time is precious. Um, but um, I'd, I'd definitely go and watch that fight. There's only a few more things I want to ask you, Ruben. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Qu- Quick question on the, on this, on because I, I just feel like if we're talking about boxing and I'm talking to a pro in that sector mm-hmm. and you've got a lot of experience with all different type of fighters and all different type of athletes. Yeah. Um, what's your take on YouTube boxing? What is your take on someone like a Jake Paul, which is kind of paving his own way in the boxing world? Um, listen, credit to him and any of these YouTube fighters for generating the interest and the money that they've generated because a lot of boxers never see the money that these guys are making uh, throughout their whole career, let alone in one fight. So, And that's a credit for them bringing an audience with them who want to watch it uh, and who take an interest in it. I personally don't think that they're real boxers. And if they were to fight a real boxer, uh, not someone who's retired like a Mayweather or anything like that, but like a real boxer, they'd they'd get found out. They'd get found out. Um, And again, would you want to see that? That's then a professional boxer versus a YouTuber. You wouldn't really want to see that because it's not really fair. So I think all credit to them. Um, and perseverance is is the key with those things because some of them, like, for example, KSI. Um, he's just about to fight Joe Fournier. Yeah, he's just about to fight... Uh, uh, was Joe? Joe Fournier. Okay. Um, I didn't know that, but... I think that KSI lives a life. He's always in the gym. He's always training. Uh, he's always sparring. And he is, yeah, he's living the life. And again, it goes down to perseverance. How much do you want it? You know, uh, that's why I say to my son all the time, how are you willing to go the extra mile to make sure you're better than everyone else? Are you willing to go to bed on time are you willing to to not party are you willing to do whatever it takes are you willing to take beatings uh whether they're on the football pitch on the track in the boxing ring are you willing to take them i mean i for example when i was uh, a young athlete it took me 10 years to learn how to run fast 10 years of turning up to training turning up to races and people just 100 meter runners just absolutely destroying me And then when I was around about 25, 26, it all clicked. And my God, I was running fast. Um, I remember once, um, uh, I spoke about this the other day, about perseverance. Uh, There was a a rugby player uh, who turned up to train with Linford Christie. And he said that he wanted to be a sprinter. And Linford was like, "Mm, I'm not sure. Stick to rugby, maybe. He said, oh, no, 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 I want to be a sprinter. So he said, go and put your blocks next to Ruben and 
what happened next was I absolutely destroyed him because I was in peak performance, peak peak form at the time. And he didn't even finish the session. He took his blocks off the track and he never came back. And he would have had maximum respect from people had he come back. But he didn't come back because I, I don't think people, when they're under stress, and I mean real stress, um, have the capacity to keep going, you know? So most people nowadays, um, and that's why no one ever heard of the guy and, you know, you know, goodness knows what he's doing now. Um, when people nowadays are weak, they're weak. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, well, let me just grab onto something because I need something to eat just to satisfy this little rumbling in my stomach. Is it going to kill you? No, it's not going to kill you. But do you have a goal? Do you want to get somewhere? And is the goal greater than being feeling hungry? Is it? Because then if it is, then you shouldn't really be taking something that you know is not good for you. And a lot of the time, people are thirsty, but they think they're hungry. They're confused. They don't know the difference between being thirsty and being hungry nowadays. So for me, it's, it's about perseverance. And like, that's how I've gotten to where I've got to in my life, uh, by just being willing to work harder than everyone else. I'm hungry and I'm always going to be hungry. And I feel like uh, in order for you to know more than me or to, to beat one of my athletes, you're going to have to go some because I've been going some for decades and there's no way on earth I'm going to let someone outsmart me in the training program or whatever. If someone's paying me for something, they're going to get the best. And that's what I pride myself on. And sometimes I don't sleep. Sometimes I, I, I work and overthink things because I'm a bit obsessive like that, especially when it comes to, to anyone that I'm working with. I think the last three years, some uh, people kept telling my son, you don't have what it takes to become a professional footballer. Yeah, to get actually get paid to be a footballer. And I kept telling him, don't listen to those people. Yeah. Do you believe it? Yes, dad, I believe it. So let's keep going. Let's keep working. Let's, let's stick to the plan. Uh, and this year, from September the 1st up until the end of February, He'd played 48 90-minute games in, what, five months? Six months. In six months, he'd played 48 90-minute games. Now, we didn't tell anyone that we were doing that because if you tell someone that you're doing that, they'll go, oh, my God, you can't play 48 90-minute games. Sometimes two games on the same day, you'll get injured. It's too much. But what they didn't understand is how we were eating, how we were sleeping, how he was getting physio, massage, what strength and conditioning he'd been doing, how much water he was having, what type of water was he having, the mental work he was doing. They didn't understand any of those things. And then at the end of that period, he got interest from so many different Premier League clubs. I can't, I'm, I was a little bit overwhelmed, to be honest, to be getting phone calls from uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, um, Southampton from all of these different clubs and at the end of that process 
he signed his first professional contract. I can't say who it is yet because uh, it, it'll be um, going up on social media on the on the first of July. But and he's getting paid to be a footballer. So that's that's what it is. That's the perseverance. That's the you know that's the the you don't give up. You keep going and you keep going. And he'll have new challenges trying to break into first teams and all that kind of stuff. But he's well prepared for it and he's up for the challenge. Well, uh, as a bit of a side note before we conclude though, the whole podcast, there are only a couple of more things I want to ask you. Yeah. Uh, number one, I'm going to look into the camera. Samuel Tabares knows I'm his biggest fan. And he, uh, well, he doesn't know, but his dad knows that <laughs> I want you to be on the podcast. I've been the, the, the first privilege to get you on the Stephen Sully study. But listen, on, all jokes aside, he he is one of the nicest guys, most educated guys. But I tell you what, I was most impressed about uh, about Sa- about Samuel is <clears throat> when I started learning about superfoods. When I say learning, I'm talking about just even saying superfoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very grassroots, basic level. On his Instagram at 11 years of age, he was already talking about it, and I thought, oh my god, if this guy. Young yeah. man, yeah. kid at the time, teenager, you know, is is talking and acting and saying those things now. He's destined for, for greatness. And I've been watching his rugby, his football, doing some boxing. He's always in the gym. He's always around the David Hayes yourself, you know, all, all the top people. And he's dedicated. So, so that's number one. Yeah. And look... My life is a little bit different to yours, but I admire what you've done with Samuel and I try and do a little bit of that version even with my two sons, more so Mason because he's four. He's going to be five later on this year. Logan's only one. And I've even sacrificed what the normal world would call normal, you know, giving them chocolate, giving them Haribo. My son's never had any of that. Amazing. My son doesn't even have ice cream, you know. Now, I even had my my own mum and dad say well that's cruel it's not cruel it's actually cruel to give it to them because you're going to make them addicted yeah yeah and and you're right steve and the fact that your parents say it's cruel why is it cruel why is it cruel where is it written that you have to give them something that's actually not good for them because they find it good to eat but like i said if i had some ice cream it doesn't taste good anymore you know, I used to, don't get me wrong, I used to eat those things, but it just doesn't taste good anymore. It's like I'm trying to educate my daughter, Savannah, who I've been a little bit more lenient than I was with Samuel. With Samuel, I was very hardcore, um, and, and so was my wife. But with Savannah, we've been a little bit more relaxed, and now we're having to re-educate her on things that she shouldn't and, and should be eating and shouldn't be eating uh, because she has aspirations of being a tennis star. Um, so she does her, you know, we're very involved with her tennis now as well. Um, and you know, but it's hard work. It's hard work because the world wants to live a certain way. And when you want to live outside of that, it's, it's, you get judged, you get, but you have to stand fast and you have to, to be like, okay, that doesn't matter. That That's not my truth. This is my truth. And you just stick to it and it'll serve you well. Absolutely. And the second thing you were, the first thing you were saying about before we went on to your son, Samuel, about the fasting again. Yeah. You know, like, I always try and think back, not to cave people, but think about our body and how it's really evolved. And it has slightly, but a lot of the time, it's not as evolved as people may think. Yeah. You know, when we, when we, when we were bare naked roaming the earth, 
you didn't go into Marks and Spencer's and pick up a chicken Kiev, for example, and yeah. then pull it into the microwave and eat it. Mm -hmm. You would go out there, eat probably the fruits and plants, and then hunt every so often and get some meat. Hence what you do, which is every 10 days or so you have a piece of meat, which is recreating you going out there and yeah, actually yeah. finding something. And then training, that's when you go and hunting, and then the resting and the recovery and being bare, barefoot on, on the earth. It's trying to get back to, to nature to rebuild yourself. And I think that hunger... We now think, oh, it's hunger, and I'm, I'm now stressed, and I'm, I'm losing my mind. In actual fact, no, you're going through a state of fasting, and you're releasing these proteins and this science, and you're actually doing a lot better for your body than actually what you're being told by other people, maybe by mum and dad. Yeah, absolutely. And also, one thing that people need to understand about fasting is um, autophagy has been scientifically proven to help people with Alzheimer's, with Parkinson's, um, with dementia, uh, with anything to do with gastrointestinal problems, so Crohn's, um, irritable bowel syndrome. It helps with all of those things because the body resets itself. That's what it does. When it's going through that kind of stress, it resets itself. It's like training stress. You're literally building a better human being, you know, but if you're constantly eating, then it's not happening. Um, and, you know, we do, uh, at, at home, my, uh, my wife has become a little bit more hardcore these days than I have. She, uh, she wakes up in the morning and she cuts um, ginger for all of us. So for Samuel, for Savannah, uh, she eats ginger like it's, it's a piece of candy. Um, but, and then we have our supplements and so we just have our supplements, chew some ginger, drink water. That's our morning routine. That's the first thing we do. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not just um, all of the things that you do. It's all of the things that you do, but you're aware that you're doing them. You know, it's, it becomes a lifestyle. So, for example, Samuel might say, oh, I'm feeling a little bit he's so aware of his body he might say to his mum, who does energy work um and she does pranic healing and she he might turn around and say mum, uh can you do some healing on me please and she'll energize his chakras and then he'll go and play football and he'll play incredibly well um so there's so many aspects to being a human being when you start to discover all of these things and you start to put them into place there's no telling where you may end up if that's what you want. I'm going to start asking you just quick fire questions. Go, Steve, go. It won't, won't take too long. You just mentioned something. Just, I, I, I remember when you said about dementia, there's a guy, a Thai boxer called Liam Harrison, who's quite older now, but he's been competing even still now and winning. He's mm -hmm. been on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he said he's been taking this, Lion's Mane. Yes. Right? I've been so, taking that for 20 years. Now, I heard it helps with dementia and stuff, but if you're an impact athlete, mm -hmm. now I'm Lucy that, you know, I do a bit of boxing, I'm yeah, like 16 yeah. fights and stuff. But the reality is I spar every single week and get in a couple of head, head, head hits. Yeah. And he said, if you take this, it rebuilds basically the brain. Mm -hmm. How true is that? Well, medicinal mushrooms, which is lion's mane, I take reishi, shaga, cordyceps. Um, I take a complex of these mushrooms and I've been taking them for, for a while they are medicinal mushrooms. So they are longevity uh, supplements. So they help you live longer. They help rebuild cells. So there's, there's an element of truth to all of that. Um, but 
if you want to make sure that you you keep your health it you have to do that and again you have to do the fasting you have to drink enough water always make sure that you're well hydrated uh take arnica and tramiel tramiel is a homeopathic anti-inflammatory um so take those things after you've you've sparred to help lower inflammation we give that to the boxers um and then longevity my longevity supplement steve will be very very good for you trust me perfect okay quick fire and this is two fantasy fights okay mm -hmm. yeah okay. mike tyson against muhammad ali who wins mm, muhammad ali carl frotch against joe kalzaki who wins uh oh that's a tough one you have to say joe kalzaki because he never lost but uh, i would actually fancy my chances with uh, i would fancy carl carl to win that fight okay these are the the people that you've trained you know them personally and yeah. professionally because yeah. you help them on stage etc when, when i say their name the first word that comes to your head which actually embodies them as a person david hay power Dina Asher-Smith. Speed. George Groves. Tough. Tiny Temper. Talented. John Terry. Intelligent. Dynamo. Perseverance. Derek Jezora. Tough. P. Diddy. Icon. Dylan White. So many words. Um, Hardworking. Amir Khan. Ooh. Can't use the same word for the same person. You can Okay, uh, talented. Mickey Rourke. Funny. Jeremy Piven. Funny and talented. Naomi Watts. Serious. Kate Upton. Lovely. All right, that's it. Ruben, this is last question. Be happy, never content. I listened to the old podcast. You had a version of it. What does be happy, never content mean to Ruben Tabaras? Um, be happy live in the moment um enjoy every single second of it because you never know when this journey called life will end um and never content always move forward always believe you can do greater than you're doing um and enjoy the ride i really appreciate your time once again thank you mate. steve thank I'm, you for having I'm, me i'm uh, i'm i'm inspired by your journey i'm inspired by your son samuel and mm, i'm inspired by all your knowledge and i hope the audience gets a lot of education, inspiration and motivation from it. Be happy, never content and thank you very much once again. Peace. Cool.